Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, and joining me on this week's episode is John Luke Shapiro and Zach Chigger, and we are here to discuss the first week of this 2018-19 NHL season for the New York Rangers. JL, how you doing? And Zach, how you doing, guys? How you been? I'm good, Russ. What's going on? I'm good. Hey, I'm good. Everything, things are looking up. Uh, you know, some personal life stuff, uh, you know, it got kind of rough for a little while, but, it, you know, they always say it's darkest before the dawn, right? So now I'm on the kind of upswing for now. So things are good. Things are good. Um, good but now, thanks, guys. So moving on to why we're here, why we're talking, why we're doing this again, the New York Rangers, uh, it's been a very interesting first week in the post-Elaine Vigneault era, in the era of the rebuild. And the first thing I would love to discuss with you both is the accountability that David Quinn has with his players. Uh, this is something we did not see over the Elaine Vigneault's tenure in New York, where it seems some guys got a free pass uh, or some guys just weren't, you know, they could, they could seemingly do no wrong. Uh, already uh, at the Rangers game tonight, when you got, by the time you guys are listening to this, Kevin Shattenkirk is most likely going to be a healthy scratch. And also during this past weekend of games, Kevin Hayes was also benched for long stretches of time. David Quinn is not messing around when it comes to his club. He's not messing around when it comes to showing that he is going to make everyone work as hard as they can every day to keep their jobs on this team or someone hungrier than them will be on this roster besides them. JL, what do you like or either dislike about David Quinn's accountability with this team? Well, I absolutely love it. And to add another name to that list is Neil Pionk, who will be uh, likely more than likely as this will be released, he'll be sitting in the press box and it looks like Freddie Clayson will uh, take his place. But I absolutely like it because you know what? 
after so many years of seeing players just mosey around the ice after Tortorella left, you know, it's good to see finally a coach come in and say, listen, this is my team, my house, and you are going to play the way I want you to play. And if you don't, I mean, not to the direct extent to, you know, those words, but his attitude and the way he's gone about things and, they, it seems like that's the kind of philosophy he's putting on the players, and I absolutely love it. Because you know what? Kevin Shattenkirk, I love the guy. I bought his jersey, but he was horrible the last couple of games. He was out of place, just didn't look like the Kevin Shattenkirk we knew. Uh, same goes for um, same goes for Nemestikov, too. He was one where he just looked like he was floating around the ice just trying to cash his paycheck. And, you know, it, it, it's about time that a coach came in and said, listen, I'm not dealing with it. I love it 100%. I'm all for it. If they don't like it, they can go somewhere else and someone else will take their spot. I agree with you 100%, especially regarding Nemesnikov, who's looked very disinterested so far this season. It's not good to see from someone who should be proving that he belongs on a rebuilding team. Uh, Zach, same question to you. David Quinn already proving he's a radically different bench boss than Elaine Vigneault was. Do you think this helps with the rebuild going forward, or could it detract on maybe guys will get a little scared because of this? Oh, it absolutely helps. Um, You know, I actually wrote about this uh, by the time everyone listens to it. It'll be yesterday uh, on the site where, you know, as JL mentioned, under the previous administration, um, guys were able to uh, get a pass if they put in a bad effort and, it seems that David Quinn is not going to stand for that. Uh, even more so, I listened to his press conference today, um, just a clip of it, and he said, you know, you don't just bench a guy because he makes a mistake. You know, um, these guys have, have, you know, as he put it, bank accounts of merits. But if a guy is not giving the effort, then it doesn't matter what's in his bank account. Um it's not helpful to the team. So unlike Vigneault, who stuck with guys because of their reputations, uh, in spite of their play, I like that Quinn is saying, no, your play is what actually matters. I don't care if you're um, Kevin Shattenkirk and you're an offensive defenseman, um, or if you're Kevin Hayes and you're uh, trying to prove yourself in a contract year. Um, It's, He's pulling no punches, which is something that's refreshing. And he also doesn't say, well, we had a few good looks, which is also nice. <laughs> and that's the key, that's isn't it? Key. I mean, you know, I like what David Quinn said today uh, about how the, their bank account doesn't matter. It's all about how you play. And it's something that fans have been begging to see all of Elaine Vino's tenure. And now this guy is, you know, it's either put up or shut up with him. And I think it's a really great thing that he's adapting that mantra. <clears throat> Excuse me no matter who that player might be. And, you know, it, it really sends a message when one of your highest-paid players uh, is sitting out. So hopefully Kevin Shattenkirk gets it together. Uh, so good transition here. Kevin Shattenkirk's play has been disappointing. Same that of Neil Pionk to start the season. But there's also been a bunch of guys that have been standing out as well, including some of the rookies that are on the big club. Uh, if we want to give one guy that's going to stand out and one disappointing guy here uh, to start this one off, for me, uh, impressive uh, I'm going to go with kind of an obvious one, but one that really needs to be stated is Brett Howden. Uh, Brett Howden was, you know, a lot of people pegged him for Hartford. A lot of people didn't give him a shot. Uh, thought he was a long shot to make the big club. And he's done nothing but play really well these past three games. 
he had an excellent pass in Carolina to get one to get, I believe it was, oh man, I don't remember who exactly passed it for a goal, but I remember the pass was very nice. Whoever he passed it against Carolina, it was Kreider. Yeah, Kreider. There we go. Uh, so Brett Howden uh, scored a goal against Buffalo. Great assist in Carolina. I think he's been a really nice surprise early on in the season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up the lineup more with uh, how with kind of how disappointing some other people have played. Which brings me to another guy who I think is kind of disappointing, and that's Kevin Hayes. Uh, there were stretches where the guy hit the whole stereotype of Kevin Hayes seems to be catching up to him right now. He looks disinterested, not playing with enough hunger, not playing with not using his body enough, trying to rely on his skill too much. And David Quinn sat him down for it. So, you know, for someone who's claiming he wants to be here long term, someone who's saying that his future, he wants his future to be in New York, even though he's on that one year deal, he's not really doing much to give management faith in him right now. Uh, right now it's looking like trade deadline paid for Kevin Hayes, but, uh, we'll see if he can get his, you know, get his game going. Uh, Zach, this time we'll start with you. Give us one solid guy that's either surprised you or just, you, he's been really good in general this season or, and give us one disappointing guy who, you know, needs to step up. Well, I think, I think we're all going to say Brett Howden. Um, yeah. I'm assuming jail, you're going to say the same thing. Um, you know, for a kid, for a kid that said in training camp that he was pushing to make the team and wants to make um, wants to make a statement with his play, he's really done that so far this season, starting on the fourth line um, to play with uh, Nemesnikov and Latiri and Cody McLeod and uh, with uh, shorter winger against Carolina. Um, and now he's getting power play minutes. Uh, he was on the second power play unit at practice the last two days, so he would appear to be a factor in that coming up in the next couple of games. Um, you have to like what you've seen from him. As far as disappointment, um, and you know, before I even get to that, the guy who's really impressed me, actually, um, other than Brett Hound, has been Jimmy Vesey. Uh, he's another guy who last year was always around the net, um, or I should say always, but he was he would get his chances and then kind of take it and not, as they say in, in basketball, follow up his shot. Um, he's, he's really changed that this year. He's a lot more aggressive on the puck. He's taking it hard to the net. He hasn't been playing um, afraid of going to those high danger areas to, to get the puck to the net. So I've really been impressed with Jimmy Vesey as well. Uh, disappointment. I'm going to say uh, Nemesnikov. Um, you know, he, he's re-signed with the Rangers um, for a team that, you know, didn't necessarily need him uh, when you consider that, A, it's a rebuild, and, B, they have centers, they have young wingers or younger wingers, I should say, that are waiting in the wings, uh, sorry for the pun, um, that are trying <laughs> to make, that are trying to make their name for themselves um, with the team. So that is something where uh, he has to step up his play as well because he is a guy who's on a, on a, a small contract in terms of money. But, you know, when you have guys who are chomping at the bit, like a Ty Ronning or a Billy Meskinen or a Michael Linkvist, um, he he really should be feeling the pressure um, from the guys down in Hartford if they are performing uh, well enough to be in the NHL. Agreed. 
JL, same thing for you, buddy. Standout and a disappointment from this Rangers club so far. Well, first of all, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to say Brett Howden because obviously he is definitely making a statement. And to add to what one of you guys said, uh, I think, uh, by, like you said, by, this, by the time this is released and, you know, the game will be on, uh, I was reading somewhere in the post that Howden is going to get a shot in a top six role, which is good because, you know, a team, a team like this needs guys to come up and step up now, and it seems like Howden is doing that. I like his game. I like the way he plays. He's incredibly responsible defensive-wise. He definitely has a ton of talent with his hands, and I think if he continues to build on that, he will be the, the player that we saw on all those highlights when he played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, and if that can come to fruition, I think one of the scouting reports I read was that he could become like a Patrice Bergeron light or something, and if that's the case, hey, I'll sign up for that any day. That the guy Amazing, that yeah. Been, yeah, the guy that I've honestly really been impressed with, and this may not exactly, you know, be picked up by a lot of people, is Chris Kreider. Now, Chris Kreider's been a Ranger since, you know, for a very long time, for, you know, a, a pretty decent amount of time now. Still young, he's still very, very much part of this team's future. And one of the things I notice is that, uh, Chris Kreider is engaged in the play, and over the years, it seems like as as he's gotten older and as he's matured, the Chris Kreider of old, when he was kind of flaking out, not kind of sure of himself, gone. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's there for, and whenever he's on the ice, he's noticeable. He looked fantastic in Carolina the other day. He looked fantastic in the home opening. And I think that once the manager and Buchnevich really start to get their you know, things going, or rather, let me correct myself, if uh, Jesper Foss can continue to play like Jesper Foss, because I don't think I've ever seen Jesper Foss have a bad game. And same thing with Mika Zibanejad. If he continue, if he begins to start to pick it up, then I think that's going to be a lethal first line. Now, <laughs> excuse me, the person that I'm honestly most disappointed with, you guys touched on both of them, but uh, I'm going to lay it more on Kevin Hayes. I'm really disappointed at the way he looks and just the way that he's going about his play because this is my thing. I have a group with big body players who can't do anything. Now, obviously, some of us uh, uh, may remember Eric Lindros when he was here. Big body, a little spooked from the concussions, but, you know, he he was good, but he wasn't the same. You know what I mean? He wasn't primary now, Lindros, yeah. You're right. No, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't prime Eric Lindros, but he, at least you got something out of him. Now I know yes. Kevin Hayes is the type of guy that he's supposed to be your legit number two center who you can throw out against the Crosby and a Backstrom and a Bergeron or even a Taves, and he's supposed to help put up points. He showed flashes of that last year, but like Zach said, he just looks so disinterested in the game. And I, I'll give a quick note here. I went to the game. Uh, the preseason game on the 24th of September. And I had some really good seats for like the first time in my life. So I got to actually see the tenacity in their, in, in their faces. And I was looking at Valeski. He looked like he was engaged. I was looking at uh, Neil Pionk, if I'm correct, played that game. He was engaged. Brady Shea, all these guys, they were in it. Chris Kreider, same thing. He scored a goal that night. And then you look at Kevin Hayes. You look at Kevin Hayes, I think he might have been on a, uh, out there a couple of times with Leah Sanderson. Leah Sanderson is looking in that game like he wants to make the team. But you look at Kevin Hayes, and it looks like he's just going through the motion. He's a big body who could go in front of the net, who has hands. It's not like he's bad at hockey. He's incredibly talented. 
But you can tell it's like it seems like he doesn't want to be here. And like you said, Russ, it's like he says he wants to be here. But then, okay, you want to be here? Well, show me that you want to be here because you know why? It's at this point in time where the Rangers are almost there. And if Kevin Hayes wants to be a part of the future, he needs to step his game up in terms of being gritty in the corners, winning the battles, and most importantly, put yourself in front of the net because there's shooters on the point. Stand in front of the net and do something already. I like it. I like and, the way you feel about Kevin Hayes. But, uh, yeah, Zach, if you want to add a final point to that, go right ahead. Yeah, and, and, and to just continue on that, it goes back to the regime change. Um, with David Quinn, you know, if you don't do the things you're expected to do, you're not going to play. So with, with Kevin, in Kevin Hayes' case, it's, it, for, for me, his, his problem has been, as I've uh, said in our, in our chats, in our private group chats, um, his problem has been the Robinson Cano syndrome, where he's a guy who has, has a plenty of talent, but seems so disinterested that when he does something wrong, he, he, um, he, it comes off a certain way where you feel like the guy doesn't care. Now, obviously if he didn't care, he wouldn't be playing. Um, so, you know, he obviously cares, but, when you're talking about a guy who wants a long-term contract, wants to stay in New York, wants to be a part of the Rangers, and then he plays like it doesn't matter, it sends off a really bad um, optics. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, with Quinn, he's not afraid to mix things around if guys are playing poorly. He's, he's broken up KZB already, and they were supposed to be the first line for the whole season. Now it's Fast on the line. Um, he's moving Howden around. He's putting Cody McLeod and, and play with 11 forward. So not all these things are going to work, um, and it didn't on Sunday night with the way they played. But, you know, you have to like that the coach is not taking any BS, whereas with the previous regime, a guy could literally play like it didn't matter, play disinterested, and would receive – no repercussions. And the other thing with Quinn, uh, before we move on, is that because of the accountability, because he has serious expectations, um, you're not going to see guys, you know, half-assing it. You're not going to see guys um, gliding back on a back check with the opposition having an man rush. You're not going to see guys not go hard into the corners. Um, and as we saw with Kevin Hayes, and I'll give him some credit for this. You know, I went. I was at opening night, uh, as as my Twitter profile, uh, as my Twitter page will attest to. And uh, and Kevin Hayes was physical. He was going to the corners. He was throwing hits. And then he regressed over the weekend. So we'll have to see how that kind of sparks him. But I like the idea that guys are going to have to play David Quinn's style of hockey. Or, or basically, or else because if they don't, then they're, they're going to find themselves glued to the bench or the press box. Yeah, no, he's setting a standard, he's setting the bar, and he's making sure that everyone on this team understands it. I'm, I'm a fan, like I said, and it's a really good thing that we have a regime that is uh, moving forward with this, and they're not backing off. Uh, moving on here uh, to our third topic of the day. Uh, Anthony, our site's founder, occasional writer still, 
wrote an article this week about Henrik Lundqvist and why he is basically hampering the team at this point in his career. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about this. I'm sure you guys do too, so we'll go around. Henrik Lundqvist is one of the best goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League. There's no doubt about that. The man is always great. He's always making big saves. He's always keeping his team in it no matter who's on the team, what the score is, no matter what day it is or month or how important the game is, you are always in it because of Henrik Lundqvist. My opinion on this is that it is too late to start talking about this Henrik Lundqvist trade. And I think the proper time when they should have decided this was before they traded Cam Talbot. They had a decision to make. You keep Henrik Lundqvist, the veteran. You stay with Cam Talbot, who got you into the playoffs, had one of the best streaks of a goalie in Rangers history almost. And I think that was the time to make the decision. They ultimately decided to stick with Henrik Lundqvist, which you can't blame them. He is an amazing goaltender, and at the time they thought they were still really close to winning a Stanley Cup. Looking back on it now, maybe they should have made a different decision. But at this point in Henrik Lundqvist's career, remember, he has a no-movement clause. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, I don't think it's going to happen I don't think we will see a Ray Bork situation with Henrik Lundqvist because his contract is so big and they'd have to eat a lot of it. Um, and I ultimately do think the guy really does want to stay with the Rangers for his career. Even if he doesn't get the chance to hoist the Stanley Cup, excuse me, he wants to be on this team. He loves New York. He is, he is the New York Rangers. He has been for over a decade. So I think the time has passed to talk about trading Henrik Lundqvist and Yes, some will say about the lottery balls and how he could steal a win or two and change our fate there. But if the guy is really this loyal and he wants to stay through this entire rebuild, you, you, I mean, keep him. Keep, keep Henry Glundquist. Don't try to run him out of town. So, JL, start with you on this one. It's kind of a touchy topic with a lot of people. It's Henry Glundquist. It's not a nobody. It's a Hall of Famer or the guy who we all want more than anything to see lift the Stanley Cup who after Alex Ovechkin won the Cup this spring, people were saying Henrik Lundqvist has to be the next one because he's that important to this league, that important to some people, that important to this franchise. What do you think? Do you think that this team should still be considering trading Henrik Lundqvist, or should all this talk just be thrown away at this point? Actually, you know, as much as I want to go against uh, Anthony, uh, I have to disagree, and I have to also agree with you, Russ, and say that it is too late to trade Henrik Lundqvist. But I will say this. The time that they should have traded him wasn't when they were deciding on what to do with Cam Talbot. They should have traded him before he signed his contract extension because he still had some decent mileage. Not that he doesn't have any mileage now, but, you know, you can trade him for a big haul and then have the other team sign him or you could do a sign-and-trade kind of thing, you know. So that was the prime opportunity for them to really get – what they wanted from uh, what they wanted for Henrik Lundqvist. That being said, it's too late now. No one's going to really want to take on that huge contract of his. And you know what? Let's be real. I'm I'm going to try and keep emotion out of this as much as possible. (coughs) Excuse me. But if you look at, look at the whole optics of the situation here, realistically speaking, if everything can tends to pan out, this team can technically make the playoffs. Okay. Now, I'm not saying Stanley Cup or bust this season, but if you look at Henrik Lundqvist, you're different. he's a different type of goaltender, although he is one really big, serious injury away from uh, being done. Henrik Lundqvist has, even in the quote-unquote down spots, has been nothing but stellar 
the thing about the guy is that no matter what he does, no matter what happens to him, you know, the guy always seems to pick his play up. Look at last season, for example. At the beginning of the season, he was awful. I mean, I went to a couple of games early on last season, and it was such a sad sight to see. But Henrik Lundqvist is a different type of goaltender to where he will change the way he goes about things in order for him to play well. And he has such a strong athletic ability that he's able to compensate for that. Now, also, you also want to look at the optics of, you know, him being the New York Rangers. You look at uh, what happened in the, with the Islanders and John Tavares. You look at that. They bungled that up. Let's be real. Uh, I'm trying to think of another situation. Uh, you know, you just you, – you need to keep guys like that here and just let – oh, another situation. The Devils in Martin Brodeur, okay? Why on earth did New Jersey just let him go? I understand he was old, but he was still winning games for them. I understand that they were trying to rebuild. I understand that they were trying to get younger and Corey Schneider was there. But let's be real. All of us are Ranger fans, but we know what Martin Brodeur is worth – was work to the Devils, and we know what he's worth to the NHL. You don't, ship, you don't ship him off or you don't let him go to St. Louis and end his career on a team that's not going to be anything in the record books except he played there and was in the front office for a little bit. So what the Rangers need to do now is just let Henrik stay. Ride him out until he says he wants to hang him up. He's earned the opportunity to do so. You can't blame the team for not wanting to trade him when his contract came up was because they were still technically a top-tier team in the East. So you can't really blame them. So at this point in time, you might as well just have Georgiev back there, and, and, and it'll give you more time for uh, uh, Shestyorkin to uh, develop. You might even be able to trade Georgiev for some pieces and then have Shestyorkin work with Alaire and Lundqvist. So at the end of the day, you can always find a good backup goalie. And if Igor Shestyorkin is really the future of this team, you let him go around Henrik Lundqvist and Benoit Lair. So honestly, keep him, let him play, let him finish on his terms here, because you know why? It'll be better for the fans, it'll be better for him, it'll be better for the team, because you know what I'm in the happening? Let's just say they next season, let's just say, theoretically speaking, next season they get Panarin and you know, or maybe Nylander or whatever, but they get a guy who can score, the defense has matured, and what do you know? The team may be halfway decent and sneak their way into the playoffs. And once the playoffs start, it's the second season. All the regular season stuff goes out the window, so you never know. So it's good that if he stays here, let him go on his own terms, and you never know. They may just end up winning the Stanley Cup within the next couple of years. And we want to see that. We do. You're absolutely right. And, you know, hopefully if this rebuild does go to plan, and you get a guy like Panarin next summer, knock on wood. Vitaly Kravtsov comes over and he plays as advertised, and we have some luck with the lottery balls this year, and we get a good we get a good center. We can turn it around pretty quickly. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Zach, thoughts on this whole thing about Henrik Lundqvist? Uh, you know, do you feel that he has earned the right to stay his stay out his tenure of, of his National Hockey League career with us? Oh, he's definitely earned the right. Um... You know, when it comes to moving him and talking about that stuff, you know, do I think they should move him uh, from an emotional standpoint? No. From an organizational standpoint, I don't think there's going to be anyone out there that A, is going to take on his contract and B, um, my here. so here's my thing. My thing is that aside from the contract, there aren't any contenders looking for a future Hall of Fame goalie, meaning a team like 
uh, Toronto, their biggest need is defense. Freddie Anderson is a very serviceable goaltender who, if he gets hot, will take the Maple Leafs deep into the playoffs. Um, the Predators have Pecorine. Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky. San Jose has Martin Jones if they can get out of the second round. Um, Washington has Braden Holtby. Vegas, if they can repeat their magic from last year, has <coughs> Marc-Andre Fleury, who is also um, a possible future Hall of Famer. Um, so you're talking about the, the main teams that the Rangers and the rest of the league are competing with, needing a, a future Hall of Fame goaltender to get into the playoffs. It's just not happening. So from the realistic standpoint, I don't think he's going anywhere anyway. Um, if they find someone willing to take him and Hendrick's willing to leave, which I don't think he is, especially after everything that came out last year about him being offered the chance to leave and uh, that he wants to stick around for the rebuild. And even if they were able to work something out and it was a situation he was happy with, uh, there's just simply no – the chances of him actually getting traded are so slim that it's really not worth bringing up anymore. I agree. I think Henrik Lundqvist deserves every opportunity to finish it out here unless, like, an offer that just blows the Rangers away comes through. But uh, I think that he wants to stay. He's going to stay. And, you know, us as fans, get used to seeing Henrik Lundqvist here until the day he decides to retire and when we all cry. And believe me, we all are going to cry. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, tell me yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not ready for, I'm not ready for that, I'll admit. I am so not ready to hear Henrik Lundqvist say that it's going to be his last season. I, I dread hearing that. I dread when that day comes. I dread hearing that from him. But we have a little while left with Henrik Lundqvist, and hopefully we can get him that elusive Stanley Cup championship that he so desperately deserves to hold uh, above his head before his career is over. Uh, Moving on to uh, this week, we have our first issue of Beyond Broadway coming out, written by yours truly, where we are going to take a look at three to four stories that are going on around the National Hockey League that don't necessarily have to do with the New York Rangers. Uh, We're going to talk about two right now, and then (coughs) you can read the other two in the article tomorrow when it comes out. Or today, actually, since you'll be listening to it today. <laughs> but um, first thing I want to talk about is uh, the Calder Trophy, which it's so early, but Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks is looking like a, a super prospect right off the bat. Has the MVP in the SHL last year. Uh, wins an SHL championship as well. The guy is looked as advertised, and he could push for 50, 60 points this year. So I think that Elias Pettersson is – as is definitely your front runner for the Calder uh, at this point. And the second thing I'd like to talk about is the Arizona Coyotes have not scored any goals this year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they have been shut out twice. Okay. Uh, but once by the Dallas stars, once by the Anaheim ducks, uh, not good, really not good. Uh, should this team be worried? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to start off a season with such promise being behind the eight ball once again and not even be able to get a puck one puck past the goaltender so uh you guys can definitely read more into that when the article drops i discuss things a little more in detail but uh yeah so is there anything i guess one storyline from each of you that you guys want to discuss that's been going on that doesn't have to do with the new york rangers jl i guess we'll start with you oh boy wow this is uh definitely (laughs) interesting but the one thing i want to bring up and it just popped into my head right now 
the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens don't look too bad. I'm, Which is it, shocking. It's kind, it's kind of, yeah, it's, I'm guessing it's probably just a tiny anomaly at this point. But if you look at the way both teams have played, I think what Montreal beat uh, Toronto, was it, in overtime? I, I can't remember. No, no, no. Uh, that, I'm getting that wrong. Toronto did beat Montreal, but they definitely looked really good against them. And, you know, you look at Yasseri Kakanyemi, that kid is I, – I didn't think he was as good as, you know, some fans were putting him out to be. But, you know, I, I, I honestly think Montreal really hit a home run with that pick. The kid just looks really, really good. He doesn't look out of place. I know it's too early mm. in the season. You know, yeah, and the no, same can go for Peterson as well. You know, yeah, the same thing can go for Pedersen as well. But, I mean, these kids are just coming in, and, and, and they're just looking real good. You know, and obviously the same can be said about Brett, Brett Howden. And the Ottawa Senators, that's kind of a – I think they're the ones that beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's, it's you know, again, it's probably just a, a blip on the radar, you know, because anyone that plays in the NHL can win anything at any time. But it's just – it's kind of – it's weird to see those two – doing reasonably well, you know, considering we all pretty much had them, you know, not doing anything. You would figure that they would, you know, when we make these predictions, you think they're going to start the season like 0-15 and just solidify, yeah, they're kind of bad. But, you know, again, professional hockey teams, they're going to probably squeeze them out, you know. And also Shea Weber becoming captain for the Montreal Canadiens as well. That's another story that a lot of people haven't talked about. And I just want to say something here real quick before I, I pass it along. You know, I don't know if this is sort of the thing that is a real thing or not, but have you ever noticed, and I can probably bring this to your attention, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, whenever, the, lately, whenever the Canadians have had an American captain, and I'm thinking of Gianta and Pacioretty, notice how, and I'm not trying to start any culture wars here, it's just it's just the way the market over there is. is. Uh, you look well, at, well, now you look we're going to get censored. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> I'll keep I'll keep it PG. Don't worry about it. But you ever notice how much of a backlash the um the American captains get from Montreal? Like you look at the way Gianta was treated, kind of meh, and they look at Patrick well, Reddy, who I believe at this point they call this preaching to the choir. Yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, just, Montreal Canadians have a very funny way of dealing with certain people in their organization. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to make the joke that if you can't speak French, you can't be on the Montreal Canadiens or they won't hire you and that they want to trade for all French speaking players. But, you know, it's all it's jokes. It's not there. No one's serious. But I understand exactly where you're coming from, because, you know, it is weird how guys like Pacioretty and Gianta were treated, especially Pacioretty was basically run out of town. Um, yeah. You know, you know, it's like. Is there something there? I don't think there is. I think it's just the fact that Montreal is in a dumpster fire for a while now, and they really need to just right that ship. Um, at the end of the day, I think that's just the basis of the whole thing. Zach, <laughs> um, give us one or two storylines outside the Rangers that have been intriguing this season so far. I mean, for me, for me, the biggest storyline has been just the, the general uh, scoring. You're seeing games of... Uh, there was eight to one or eight to two last night with the Sharks and the uh, Flyers. There was oh opening night with the Capitals. They put up a touchdown. Uh, the Rangers gave up a touchdown to the Hurricanes in spite of scoring five of their own. Um, and then you're seeing games. 
you know, it's really, I don't know if it's maybe because the goalies are wearing different pads this year. Last night you had Toronto and Dallas combined for 11 goals. Columbus and Colorado combined for seven. So I think all the, all the problems the NHL has been publicizing of, of having scoring issues, uh, I think is uh, being disproven very, very quickly early on this season. Yeah, I mean, if you guys have been watching the Toronto Maple Leaf games especially, it's it's wild to see that the 1980s have seemingly made a reappearance this season. We're talking 7-6-7-4-8-5-8-2 games already. It's it's it, I mean, for for a league that says they want to increase scoring and want to maybe increase the net size or decrease goaltending pad size, I don't think we need any of that. I think we're doing just fine right now. And I think it's also showing this week that Austin Matthews and John Tavares on the same team is absolutely unfair. But uh, what can we do, you know? <laughs> they fit in well, the salary well, cap. Good on them. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but here's the thing, Russ. Unlike, unlike the NBA, and I'm going to call out the NBA, where you know what's going to happen every night, basically. Meaning yeah. we already know that it's going to be Golden State. Uh, if not in the finals, in the Western Conference finals. I don't know enough yeah. about basketball, but I know that. Um, mm-hmm. And that the East in the NBA is going to be up for grabs, but they'll lose to the West in all likelihood anyway. Exactly. Like, that's, what, that's what makes hockey fun. Like, the, the, the Leafs can have Tavares and Marner and Matthews and Kapanen and Zach Hyman, but if they don't have a good defense, which they don't, and if they don't get consistent goaltending from Freddie Anderson, who has been a little shaky at some points in his past, the Leafs aren't going to win the Cup. Now, can Austin Matthews and John Tavares uh, offensively carry the team? Sure. But when you play a team that's defensively structured and defensively sound with, uh, as in the, the Predators or the Winnipeg Jets, who we haven't talked about tonight, um, or or some of the, their opponents in the East with Washington um, and, and even Pittsburgh if Matt Murray can come back healthy. You're talking about a team that, that's going to be so offense-reliant that they won't be able to play a a one nothing 2-1 to game. Yeah, and it's not going to work in the playoffs. You can't run a gun in the playoffs. The Leafs need to make a move. And, I mean, the move everyone is speculating is William Nylander is going to go somewhere for some bona fide defenseman. And, you know, it's going to be kind of tough to tough to do uh, with the contract Nylander wants. But, you know, William Nylander, I mean, the package I would offer if I was, if I was Carolina, who I think Carolina makes perfect sense with the depth they have on defense and they could use more offensive playmakers, is I would offer them uh, Justin Falk, Adam Fox, and a first-round pick for William Nylander. And I think that's what the Leafs should kind of be aiming for in a situation like this. Get someone on your back end you can trust. It's clear you don't need the extra offense with how they've been scoring. So see what they could do in that kind of arena. Uh, And our last topic for the day is uh, something that I actually put up this week uh, about trusting the process. You know, we see this in the NBA. We see it especially from the Philadelphia 76ers if you're on Twitter at all with all their guys constantly tweeting about trusting the process. But uh, for us, it's crucial that our fans understand that, you know, we need to start doing that ourselves. And the fact of the matter is, 
I've seen people getting mad about benchings already and people getting mad about, <clears throat> excuse me, and people getting mad about things David Quinn is doing and already calling for this guy is not doing the right job and this guy and this guy. Everyone needs to take a very deep breath and breathe. This team is exactly where they need to be at this point in time. They aren't losing in the sense of losing terribly. They're losing admirably in their hard and their hard fought games that they are playing in right now. They took the Nashville Predators. They took everything they had and gave it to the Nashville Predators, and they played an amazing game against a team that could win the Stanley Cup. Okay, they're scoring goals. Uh, you know, Carolina they lost the game eight five, but they still put up five goals in that game. Buffalo's the one game where they kind of stymied because of Carter Hutton, but they can score. This team help is coming. Help is on the way. But for where we are now, and for where this this organization is wanting to go, this is exactly the kind of thing we need to happen. You know, you want to see them win once in a while. I agree. You want to see the kids get a little confidence. But at the end of the day, this season, maybe next as well, is going to be about acquiring elite talent. And the way you do that is through the draft. Uh, guys, any thoughts on trusting the process before we leave this week? JL? I'll start with you, buddy. What do you think? All right. Well, the the one thing that I noticed, first of all, like you said, everybody needs to calm down a little bit. Uh, it's only three games, and even if this is the way the season is going to go, uh, we kind of all expected it, and it's nothing new. You know, the way they looked in preseason kind of got our hopes up a little bit because, they, let's be honest, they actually looked really good in preseason. But then again, it's preseason. But it's nice to see, you know, the regime change really starting to seep into the club already. You know, stuff like this normally takes, you know, you know, a couple of months. You know, you look at the Rangers in 2014 when, when, when they fired Tortorella and brought in uh, the man who shall not be named. Yes, I'm still sticking with who's that. Already, who's already been named. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, you look at you look at the way that that team formulated was, you know, they started to slowly but surely get things going. I think it was by the end of October, going into early November, maybe even later than that. One good month can pretty much jettison or propel your season. So at the end of the day, it's three games. Everyone needs to calm down now. Like you said, trust the process. These are the New York Rangers. These are not the Knicks. These are not the Mets, and these are not the Jets, okay? The Rangers have competent management up in the front office, okay? And you look at everything that's there that they currently have, it's pretty much setting themselves up for more sustained success down the line. If you look at the way the teams were built back uh, when Tortorella was around, what they were doing was they were getting the type of player that – I mean, some of them were holdovers, quote-unquote, but you look at the players that they had, and they fit the bill. They were, most of them were young, and then from there they started to fit the pieces. You look at the team before they got Brad Richards. Now, I'm not going to say Brad Richards was the end-all, end-all, because you know, they did add a couple of more pieces, but he definitely did make a difference to a team that was lacking something. And right now, this team is set up almost incredibly similarly to how that team was before they got Brad Richards and Rick Nash. Okay, so they're just missing one or two really big pieces. Do you want to see the team win? Of course you want to see the team win. We've been so accustomed to watching this team go long playoff runs that have made us all happy. I mean, you, you watch that video that AJ Castiglia just released recently. Beautiful and it video. Just brings, Absolutely beautiful video. Beautiful video. Yeah. Big credit to him and his crew. Beautiful video. It just reminds you of 
what sustained success is. And we, we kind of want that a little bit. But if we want to go back to that, you know, here's the thing. The sustained success that they are looking for is sustained success that can last more than five years. The players yes. that they're getting, the moves that they're making is supposed to be something that can probably give this team almost 10 years of sustained success, and Rangers management knows how to do that. I am very confident in what they're doing. I'm confident in the coach and the decisions that they're making, and I really think it'll come sooner rather than later, and you're already starting to see the fruits of their labor going on in front of, on the ice. But like you said, look at the way they played Nashville. Look at the way they played on Carolina. You know, granted, they lost all three games in Buffalo. They all, it's not like they stepped on the ice and looked terrible. Okay. You could even go and make the statement that they probably don't have as much of a better roster now than they did towards last season, and they look better by far than what they oh, did yes. last season. So at you the end of the day, the exactly, and that's how you have to look at it. The Toronto Maple Leafs, perfect example of how a rebuild should be done. Granted, they lucked into Austin Matthews, sure, you need, yeah. but you need the lottery balls to go your way sometimes. Exactly. So you look at that. And you say to yourself, man, you know, look at what they did. And I can tell the Rangers are emulating that to a point, and they are not that far off. Trust me when I say that, they are not that far off. So I honestly think we'll probably see this come to fruition sooner rather than later. But, again, everyone needs to take a breather for a second because you don't know where this team will be in the middle of November. Heck, they, they might be in first place in the middle of November. Who knows? But, again, we just have to trust the process. Oh, yes. Zach, last word. Trust in the process. Go for it. Oh, absolutely. And to to JL's point about, you know, the team looking better than last year uh, or at the end of last year, a big part of that is the coaching staff holding the players accountable, where, yes, it was a lost season. Yes, it was the season of the letter. Yes, it was um, a season where – after the Rangers were hovering uh, in December and January, uh, the organization just said, kind of screw it, and we're going to start from scratch. And that certainly is a, um, a demoralizing thing to hear. So the coaching staff knew they were on their way out. The players knew there was a big change coming. And then you lose McDonough and Nash and Holden and Grabner and JT and – you know, the organization goes through a whole culture shock. But now you're starting at square one, and guys understand that they're playing, they're literally playing for their jobs every night. So I think the biggest thing with trust in the process is just seeing the effort. Yes, you're not going to win every game. Yes, um, going toe-to-toe with one of the league's best on opening night um, in a game you had no right winning just simply because talent of the two teams, you basically had a shot the whole way. And save for a few missed penalties, you could have actually had the chance to win the game with the power play. So, you know, as, as we've said, trusting the process is very important. The winning, not as much, especially if we're talking about uh, – the, the draft lottery and the, the ping pong balls falling their way. Um, but, and, and then finally to go along with that is, and now I'm blanking, of course, 
to go along with that is that, and I've said it before, if you had the 20 Jesper Fasts on, on your team, regardless of the talent level of the players, you would be in a position to win a game every night. And I think we've been seeing that so far, um, just in, in terms of the effort level. Um, and I said it earlier, Kevin Hayes deserves credit. He's, he, when he's been engaged, he's been physical. He's been handling the puck. A guy like Brett Howden, who was slated to be a fourth liner, has three points already and is going to be getting power play minutes um, come uh, tonight when you guys are listening to this. So I think the, impo- the most important thing now for the Rangers is getting the effort there, learning David Quinn's system. Um, for the young guys, it's new. For the old guys, they're still adjusting. But, I, again, the effort is the most important thing so that when this team is ready to contend and seriously contend uh, in the next couple of years, you're talking about a team that's going to have the work ethic in place, the desire in place, and the know-how of what it takes to win a game playing under this coaching staff. So to close it out, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining me this week. Uh, It was a really fun show. We'll be back in probably two weeks. We'll keep this a bi-weekly thing as the season rolls on. And I mentioned before one final, final word, that help is coming. Help is indeed coming. Vitaly Kravtsov, this season, he had seven points all of last season. He already has six in 15 games. Arguably, the man should have at least nine or ten if if players knew how to complete his passes. Artemi Panarin is heavily rumored to want to sign with the New York Rangers next summer. That is two bona fide wingers that will be here next year with almost certainty. And number three, if the Rangers keep playing the way they're playing, one of Vasily Podkolzin, Dylan Cousins, Capo Caco, Jack Hughes, or Bowen Byram will be here next year. Those are other players who can change a franchise with the way that they play. So, help is on the way. This season, we're going to have to deal with the bumps, deal with the bruises, deal with the losses. But I promise you out there, I promise to you listeners, I promise to anyone that's listening, you know, it is darkest before the dawn, and the New York Rangers will come out of this extremely strong and ready to give Hank that one more shot before he decides to hang him up. Thanks for joining us this week, everyone. You can follow me at Russell Hartman 1. You can follow JL at JL Shapiro 8. You can follow Zach at Zach4B. And as always, follow us at Forever Blue Shirts. And the radio is at 4B Radio. Thank you so much for joining us this week, guys. Have a great two weeks. We'll talk to you soon.
Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group.